Dad Bod Rap Pod, welcome back. Another week, another show. We are in the 120s, I believe. I believe we have cracked the 120s. 122. Episode 122, which literally means we've been talking about rap shit for almost 300 hours now. Hundreds and hundreds of hours. It's a rap filibuster <laughs> here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. My name is Damone Carter, aka Dim One. I am joined in the Temple of Zoom by Mr. Nate LeBlanc. But who's Zoom and who? <laughs> and Mr. David Ma. What's up, guys? Good to be here. That I was a place for you to do. Zoom. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Man, you I'm fucked sorry. up the timing, man. Yeah, I know. I'm, Zoom is <laughs> fucking with me, man. I'm really trying to, um, when we're all in the room together, I can see like the spittle in Nate's mouth's form when he's about right, to ask a right. question. And I can, I know how to. Totally how to fall back but on zoom i i feel like there's like a, just a fraction of latency i just it feel is, like there, yeah. there literally is we were talking about that in one of my meetings earlier and it makes um things like you know like i'd love to be all highfalutin and be like our conversation is so high level it's like music but it's not <laughs> i'm not gonna say that but someone was talking to me about trying to record with their band over zoom earlier and it's actually the issue is it's not that there's latency it's that every one of our latencies are slightly different due to bandwidth oh, issues okay. and so that's that the little offness and like okay. we try to like visually signal if we want to talk or whatever right, right, like right. having this weird like teacher vibe of like you have to raise your hand to ask a question but sometimes it's helpful to cue it so this is easier than talking on the phone but it's, oh, it's yeah. just not Phone's easy to trash. get a joke in or like right just totally flip something into the stream right especially with jokes i mean there, there's no time to land yeah right. yeah so i've uh <laughs> i i i've been stepping on dave's jokes but it's the latency y'all it's not <laughs> me being a hack host it's latency not hatency <laughs> dope. uh we're back for another week we've got um a dope interview lined up for y'all on the other side of our introductory banter. Last week, we did kind of a detour from our regularly scheduled programming and really did um, a, a deep dive on all the issues going on about police accountability, the uprisings that took place um, across the country and, and what was going on here in San Jose. We wanna shout out everybody that uh, took the time to listen to that. And we've gotten some, uh, some good feedback on it, it's not, necessarily the usual uh the usual cast of folks who listen to the program mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which has been dope um but i checked today and the world is still fucked up um <laughs> nancy pelosi's rocking kente cloth oh um, man what are they doing how, how funny is that thread on twitter though the name yes of the name names, that album? album names oh man um, all day all day I, I, the best one I saw was uh, Marvel Studios presents Black Pander. <laughs> nice, nice. Dave got in there. Yes, I'm going to repeat my um, bizarre ride to apartheid joke. Oh, wow! <laughs> That's a Dave, good one. Pulling up from 40. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, so it's that. it's been that type of week to where Black Lives Matter is so popular and so mainstream that Mitt Romney is out here uh, <laughs> repping real tough. So um, I don't know, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence about what, what, to, um, what to believe. There was kind of like the whole Drew Brees uh, situation. I don't know if you guys are 
kind of staying up on mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. But I just kind of want to read the room here. What is your general sense on Black Lives Matter solidarity statement? I'm for of? it. <laughs> well played, Nate. <laughs> You'd better be. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I'll say this. The, the tone shift from last week where to demonstrate that they're not going to do police brutality, the police brutalized thousands of people, to this week where we're having a serious national conversation about defunding the police and making substantive change and moving beyond gestures into like legislation. Right. I feel a little better this week. Um, I feel heartened by, uh, by the, the change. How, well, I, COVID and shelter in place demonstrated how fragile our systems are. Mm -hmm. And this is demonstrating how fluid government can be when they're motivated to actually change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm very heartened by some of this, but it's all about follow through. And like when we, if they're going to reopen society now and we all go back to eating in restaurants and watching movies and like there's sports again, are we just going to, is protesting going to be something we used to do is like um, calling and writing your city councilor about um, passing a people forward budget, something we used to do. Right. Like that's why we need to stay vigilant. But right. um, I honestly feel a lot better um, than last week. So yeah, several well, people in my life reach out. They're like, bro, are you okay? No. Is anyone okay? You know, they're like, kind of like, I like, I guess I seemed a little fragile, which is not, not true, that. you know? Yeah. It's yeah. good to see the, the needle being moved and, and, in small spurts and big spurts, you know, uh, what they did in Minnesota with uh, the police and the, um, mm -hmm. the, what was it? They're not, they're, they're breaking it up. They're not straight disbanding up defunding it. it, disbanding Dismantling, it. Yeah. I think is the term they're doing using. it, but I don't get how it works, but we'll see. They're going to show us. But that it can't be vetoed. It's like, okay, now we're talking. Now we're talking where it's not, it's not just lip service. And, you know, to your point, Nate, about like people being vigilant. Also, I think the um, government and leaders need to need to be more vigilant and more open to listening yeah. to all these ideas. I mean, otherwise it's just, you know, some city council member putting up another Black, Black Lives Matter post. Like, get out of here. Like, do something. Yeah, yeah, kind of. When, when, the, Ross, when the Washington Redskins do it, you know that it's, we've reached uh, peak <laughs> saturation for, right. uh, for BLM posts. And then every single person who responds to the thread goes, change your name. <laughs> right. Change right. your name, change your name, change like, your name. That's <laughs> it. If you cared, you would change your name. Right. Right. They would be the most beloved if we were talking about this when I was hanging out with some friends yesterday. And yes, I hung out with friends for the first time in 10 weeks and it fucking felt great. Um, they, if the Redskins signed cap as their backup quarterback and changed their name, they would, they would have millions of fans for oh. life. They could lock in goodwill for like 50 years. If they took those two, we, what I would consider to be basic, steps right Simple. they have no intention of doing any of that apparently. dan snyder absolutely I not i know yeah yeah i mean all both those changes would be 80 years too late anyways but still now <laughs> i mean fuck. yeah 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 it's it's kind of crazy though what i love about kaepernick hasn't said shit i thought he made a statement huh i thought he made a statement but I, I mean, but doesn't he do quiet philanthropy too, though? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? So, he hasn't, so he hasn't made a big deal about uh, what his position is, which um, I think has been consistent for him throughout this. So he was obviously five years ahead of our national conversation, right? 
um, which will never be lost on me that, you know, the, the backup quarterback for the 49ers <laughs> is like out in front of the revolution, right? It's, it's crazy, but he from the outset had made this real principled kind of thing where it's, it's about the movement, it's not about me. And so by, sure. him, by him not doing, by him not offering up all kinds of comments and tweets and shit, he hasn't given the opposition a lot to go off of. So you still have people like Drew Brees who are saying and doing weird shit, right? Um, and so it's been interesting to see that even in this moment, he's been like, if I was him, I'd be like, I told y'all motherfuckers, I told y'all three years ago that this is what <laughs> it was. Um, he's more gracious than I am. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been an interesting week. Um, hopefully we stay vigilant. There's, there's change is afoot. Um, I keep going back to the MF Doom line, um, can't reform them. Uh, <laughs> every time I think about this debate and, uh, and everything that's being discussed, I go, you know, Eric Garner died of a chokehold. Chokeholds have been banned in New York City for damn near 20 years. So right. my whole thing with everything is like, yes, I'm glad this train is taking off, but we, we definitely have to be mindful that um, cops don't, uh, the rules don't apply to them. So by saying that simply we're gonna change the rules um, is, is not enough. And so I hope that, you know, that there's definitely another layer there of like actual accountability, um, mm -hmm. that would be hot. But yeah, we're, we're here in San Jose, California, which is somehow um, a hotbed of protests, which is like a real new thing for us. I, I wanna shout out San Jose showed up in a way um, that maybe you guys can cooperate for me. I've never seen this before. No, this is great. And the, the continuity of it too. It, I mean, even the, woman, the women's marches right after Trump, which sort of seemed like a reactionary thing. Um, this has been what? How many days deep is it now? You know yeah, what I mean? Like in day 10, 11? 10, yeah. So yeah. I, I went on Friday. Um, Did you? I, had, I had the day off from work. It was like a pre-planned mental health break. And actually, uh, my mom, who listens to the show. Hi, mom. Shout out, um, Janelle. Janelle. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember this, but I talked about her listening to Sir Mix a lot. Yes. Last, like two weeks ago, she was cleaning out her classroom because she just retired from teaching, which is what the story is about. And she just like texts me, Anaconda, Anaconda. Anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> she was listening to it on her yes. TV when she was listening, when she was cleaning out her classroom, which was so funny. I was like, you, oh my God, I got to watch what I did not want none. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so instead of like having lunch at a fancy restaurant or like buying her flowers or whatever, I asked if her and my dad would want to join my wife and I at the peaceful protest. Okay. Um, also awesome. like kind of mark the occasion of her retirement from like the 30 plus year career as yeah. a public school teacher. And like, she's, you know, it's, it's really important time for her to like figure out what's next and, yeah. mourn the loss of her like, career and somewhat identity as a teacher so mm. just an interesting time for her so they were they were cool they came and my they there were these group of kids they were hanging up there it was like on black plastic it was like a huge fist like up and it said i don't remember exactly what it said it was hard to read but they were uh, this for those of you who are listening who are not from san jose and i realize the story's getting a little long the, the city, San Jose City Hall has a rotunda and everybody calls it like the R2-D2 because it, it's like kind of like a domed right. round thing and it kind of looks like R2-D2. So these kids were trying to hang this sign off of R2-D2 and my dad is like like a landscape 
engineer guy and he has this engineering brain and I could t he just wanted to help them so bad. <laughs> gotta go, go cut some slits in that thing so the yeah. wind can get through. And like, you need something heavier than that. Like you, these bottles of water are fine for now, but you should really roll that trash can over. Like That's he just dope. really wanted to like get involved and he didn't, he stayed back, but he nice. was like coming over and commenting to us like what they should do and going over and kind of watching them. And it was really, really funny. And my mom just like is such a raw nerve and such like a, an empathetic person. She was like both like very heartened by how young the yeah. people are who are showing yes. up and like, she just like got excited every time the cars started honking or like the speeches started and everyone started to move. She was like, damn, this is serious. And I was like, yeah, this is very serious. And like, I, we discussed earlier, I'm not a big protester. And like, I was very nervous about COVID dude. Like once it started to be like, I couldn't be without six feet around me. I mm -hmm. went home and really? I, I, like, okay. went, I went home on the side streets. Like I was not trying to be around 10,000 people that day. Like mm -hmm. I went I did my little piece. I showed up for like, what I what I could do for my like mental health and physical kind of separation yeah. stuff, and then I and then I went home and kind of watched the rest on Twitter. So anyway, that's my story. Um, I was very proud of San Jose. Very proud of the young organizer people. There was tons of water and food. Yeah. Oh, and that's great. Yeah. Music really and good. the whole bit. Music, right? And yeah, yeah, there there was a Twitter footage of a, like a tuba led kind of like New Orleans style <laughs> second line playing Mac cool. Dre. Yeah, like, that's yeah, that's, that's a beautiful. Protest. That's <laughs> beautiful, man. Ah, yeah, yeah. feeling themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. No, we we're uh, we're definitely in a moment. Um, music, especially rap music, we've talked about this a little bit on the show. In some ways, has made all the comment that maybe even could be made about the situation. It's very old. Um, I found it interesting. I've been kind of watching Ice Cube's. Uh, Twitter yes. feed, yes. Um, as well as Ice T, um, and it's just been so interesting to watch two people who were kind of at the front of "fuck the police" in the '80s um, mm -hmm. have this interesting journey because uh, somebody got to give Ice Cube the memo about what police ab abolition is. <laughs> kind of, he's like, we ain't trying to actually abolish the police, and I'm like, no, Cube, we are. We're kind of trying to abolish the fucking police. Um, you were but, 30 years ahead, and now you're six weeks behind. Kind of. It's been so interesting just to watch um, how different uh, celebrities, talking heads, have kind of, uh, you know, what this moment has done to them and how they've responded to it. I think has been very interesting but yeah i think hip-hop's been way out in front on this particular issue um for a long long time and so uh, one could look at the history of hip-hop as a history of african-american men mostly but not exclusively recounting bad experiences with the police, the police. like you could do a full-on dissertation thesis yeah. like drawing that line from like the message to batter ram to like right. every ice cube every every 90s record has an LA riot song on it right like, there's just right. there's so much of that and probably up to you if I were writing the paper I'd probably stop with um Nipsey and YG's fucked on Trump Donald which Trump. is not exactly the same thing but is is expressing the kind of the rage in a similar so, way and it's been it's been a thread that's been you're, you're right that has been constant and I feel like um in that way, because I've, I've seen a little bit about like, where are the rappers at and where are the, and I go, eh, what else can Kendrick do? Like, 
he's made songs about this. You know what I mean? Like, right, I, don't, right. I don't know. I'm not sure what more rappers could do. I look at a lot of this, like, this is an opportunity for um, uh, people who don't have black bodies mm-hmm. to show mm-hmm. up. If that's, if yes. this is a solidarity moment, right? Yes, yes. Um, and so I, I've been heartened by all the, all the stuff that I've seen. And I feel like, um, I feel like we will see a different type of musical moment come out of this. Not that that's really important, but right. I think every shift in society has some type of attendant uh, musical moment. Some, somehow I think maybe frivolous shit won't seem as cool. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's gonna, something's mm-hmm. going to happen. I have a slightly different thread I'd like to draw out of that. And it's that, so this this kind of happens to bands when they get big. Like we've discussed it in terms of Vince Staples and his the Big Fish album. And I think you could say Run the Jewels follows a similar thread where artists get to a certain point where they get booked on festivals. So yep. then they start making music that like sounds good for festivals, festivals. Yep. and like that energy level that they want to draw out from like 30,000 people instead of 3,500 people or 350 people or 35 people or 3.5 people. Right, right. So the, I'm wondering, and this is not necessarily about the protest. So like I said, it's a slightly different thread. If people are going to make like music that sounds good on live stream. Hmm. Like, like will will the pandemic and the shelter in place and the kind of death of touring also draw a different kind of like you know what i mean like maybe Mm. like a rights free unsample can't be taken down by ig narcs like kind of style of like you could do a whispering part because like you're in your asmr mic like you could you you guys get what i'm saying Yeah, yeah 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 It's like there there might be a political foment thing from the protest thing that happened right after the pandemic. And there might be a kind of movement of people who were cooped up. And like um, our next guest mentioned, like her album that we're going to talk about a lot is a COVID baby. Like Mm -hmm. they had, she wouldn't have made this kind of particular introspective record if it wasn't for the circumstances of shelter in place. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, that's all kind of bouncing around in my head. And I was just wondering what you guys thought of that. That's uh, yeah. I I th- I see where you're going with that, and I'll take it one step further. Are we gonna see um a dip in actual club bangers? That's kind of there's what no I'm club. At. There's right. no club to bang. There's right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear a, a in the club reference until 2023. Minimum. <laughs> right. Um, you have to make like a Twitch banger, which sounds Ooh. disgusting. Yikes! <laughs> what what some, are those? I want some lotion right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't want any Twitch bangers on me. I had one of those in college. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Um, so as Nate alluded music, to... Sorry. Sorry. See? The club music that does come out is going to be fucking banging, though, right? right. When, when everybody is just thirsty out. for going out in the club. You know what I mean? It's going to be wild, okay. insane energy. I'm, I'm actually hoping that um, the Pink Sifu record, uh, Negro which I think everybody should listen to once, but you probably won't listen to it twice, but everybody should listen to it once because I feel like it embodies the energy of the time. And I, I am interested to see what comes out of that. Like, I think we're going to see in the same way that um, the Saul Williams project, uh, uh, Niggy, Niggy Tardust, um, yeah. really inspired Jesus. Um, I think you're going to see this Pink Sifu record inspired a new type of 
and maybe this I'm hoping projecting uh, a wilder punk influenced type of trap music. Like I was, I listened to that record and I said, this is a record of this time. It's very extreme. It doesn't have any allusions to being anything than something you would listen to in your house. Um, mm -hmm. My roommate was very concerned uh, about my well-being after I blasted that whole album. But I think you have a point there, Nate. I think maybe in general, it's going to be bedroom music uh, may have some type of renaissance. Which, no coincidence, is my favorite kind. <laughs> we like, know how I you love, get down in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Not what I meant. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I love like, you know, kind of somber, self-reflective, like the whole like four track era sure. that birthed my musical sensibility. Like you didn't really need anything except for a creative records and uh, some shitty microphone or your headphones turned around. Like that's that's what I I love that style of music. So I'm I'm super excited about what happens next. And as we mentioned, there's so much good music being made now, but probably what we're hearing now actually probably was recorded before. before. And illusions right. that we're drawing, like Dave and I had a whole back and forth about some of the lines on Shrines, which is the new Arm & Hammer record. Which Incredible like every, new record. Every single one of you needs to go listen to that. Um, uh, are resonating, but they couldn't have been referencing things that just happened in the past right. 10 days right. because of right. the way the world works. So just fascinating. And um, I'm so... I'm so hype about how these things will be refracted through the lens of music and like turned right. into art and mm -hmm. like what, what will be direct and what will be just like seeping into like the, the feeling of it. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, to, to your point and to kind of what Nina said earlier about how she's like, I've been writing the same songs for five years. It's like, yeah, it's because the society hasn't changed. You know right. what I mean? The circumstances remain the same. So that's why the content will still be filtered that way. And um, yeah, I mean, well, we'll see. Um, to the larger point, though, the, the new Arm & Hammer, everybody needs to check that out. That is just, I mean, that's like, if there, if there was a run the jewels, but the other direction. It's other jewels. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, seriously, it's, that's a great correlation. Because yeah. I've always felt like um, that Arm & Hammer and the whole backwoods movement um, is kind of like Def Jux reimagined. Yeah. Right, right, right. They, like, they, they do that embody energy. that. Yeah, they have that energy and and what kind of Def Jux stood for as a as a what a Curly Castro who was on the Armin Hammer ah, Armin Hammer record, shout out to Curly Castro, uh, Curly referred to to Backwoods as a as a writer's establishment, and yeah. this new record Shrines is I do feel like um, I'm reading critical essays right that, that somehow rhyme. Like, right. I'm always like, fuck, man. But it's not dry. It's like the opposite no, of that. No. It's like deeply felt, deeply researched, extremely well written. Right. Um, and in, in pocket, like, right. there's a and, couple things. Uh, and each listen reveals new layers. And that's, oh, that's sure. all I can ask of a rap song or a series of rap songs. Totally. Or any song. I mean, shit. But, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't have much to add to, to that. Besides yeah, there's, there's two moments on the thing where I was like, you can't rap better than that. And one was from <laughs> Woods and one was from Elucid. And I don't remember the song titles or have it in front of me, but I was like, I spent most of Saturday riding my bike and listening to all this new music and prepping for this tip for today's show. And I, I must have went back to Shrines like three or four times. Like, mm -hmm. I need to hear that again. Did I hear what I thought I heard? Totally, mm -hmm. totally. Dude, mm -hmm. Billy Woods, man. I mean, at this point, we're talking incredible run. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of unfuck with the bull. Kind of with a bull. Yeah, right now. Yeah.
Yep. So maybe uh, in the future, after we've had a little bit more time to digest, we might do a a deeper dive on shrines or maybe just even the whole uh, kind of backwoods run that has happened. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about it in December. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. We we should should have Armin Hammer on. Uh, I love, we've had them, we've had both Woods and Lucid separately. Uh, but yeah, it'd be great it to have them It would be interesting to do it during Zoom so we can like... Right, right. Dude, it would is be Woods, Woods going to sh- turn on his camera? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, come on. It would be That's interesting so to funny. see what picture That's he used. That's hilarious. Though. He's right. not so turning funny. on his camera for nothing. I'm sorry. B- black screen. Yeah, yeah, which I, I would <laughs> definitely appreciate. Um, yeah, so definitely Get Shrines. Another record that we really want to... Um, direct you to uh is a record by our next guest um nappy nina who released a project called 30 bag um which is something we talked about a little bit last week definitely dense uh bedroom hip-hop if you will um and she described it herself as a as a covid baby and it wouldn't have come about were not for that. Um, and I think it's a really dope project. She was kind enough to, to come on with us and um, really give some thoughtful answers about her, uh, how she got started, her connections, her roots in Oakland, among other things. So without further ado, here is our interview with Nappy Nina. Dad bod rap pod back another dope episode another dope interview um joining us via zoom we have nappy nina uh pride of oakland california has a new project out called 30 bag which uh all of us dad bods are really digging welcome to the program thank you i'm hyped to be here actually i think dad bods are my main fan demographic so is it (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of us (laughs) <laughs> that's 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 dope. Um so so what I was uh interacting with your music before I understood that you were from Oakland. Mm-hmm. And you're not current are you currently in Oakland? I'm in Brooklyn. You're in Brooklyn. So can you talk to us a little bit about um you know you're you're a product of Oakland, but kind of to make your name, did you feel like you had to leave Oakland and, and go somewhere else? Or how has yeah. that worked for you? Yeah, I mean, when I moved to Brooklyn, I wasn't even, uh, I was rapping, but I wasn't uh, taking it seriously. I wasn't thinking this was going to be my career. It was more of just, I moved here because a good friend and collaborator, producer moved here, and I want to continue making music. Okay. Um, But now, when I look back on it, yeah, that move definitely was necessary, and I probably would not be in the position that I'm in if I did not move, so. That's interesting. unique position to answer this and this might be a little bit inside baseball but i think uh people in the bay area like to say that oakland is the brooklyn of the bay area Mm -hmm. uh do you do you find that to resonate or to be true in your opinion yeah there's definitely similarities um i think the diversity though it's super different because there's a whole different black diversity that is in brooklyn that is not present in oakland um i think yeah, there are a lot of similarities, but no, they're not the same. I mean, the rate that gentrification is happening is the same, yeah. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, the price of the city and uh, black folks being pushed out. Yeah, all that's just the same. But mm, unfortunately, the feel of the city. No, I think. Um, also, I'm more plugged into the Oakland community. I was raised by a lot of the community folks, so I think that that feeling will never be replaced by Brooklyn. Mm. Do you, yeah, Nina? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Dave. Oh, um, <clears throat> Nina, I was um, I was doing some research and I was reading about um, your father, Greg Bridges, mm -hmm. and um, he kind of took you under his wing and you know took you around the Bay Area music scene like in the '90s. I know. You're younger than us, but what do you remember about those times? And specifically, um, what about like the musical aspects of those memories you might have sort of taken with you? Um, well, my dad is a radio, uh, he's a DJ, radio host. He has jazz shows. So um, I remember being in the Bay Area in KPFA radio station all the time. Um, I remember going to open mics that my pops was hosting at uh, the Java House, which was this coffee shop owned by uh, Dwayne Wiggins of Tony, Tony, Tony. Him and my mm -hmm. pops went to uh, high school together. So I spent a lot of time at his house and just around folks making music and visual artists too. Um, a lot of visual artists in the Bay. I grew up just going to their studios or, you know, spending time in their summer programs or at the parks or stuff like that. So. Dope, dope. <laughs> That's awesome. When did you start to rap or like, when did you think that you would, have a musical career even if it wasn't quite decided yet that it would be rapping i started to rap in high school like freshman sophomore year um my homeboy gave me like one of those first ipods and he had like crazy cuts on there like stuff i would have never heard um and yeah i was just yeah ninth grade i think was like yeah i'm gonna start rapping and we used to rap in like my english teacher's classroom blah 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 and um, I think when I moved to New York, my friends who were making music, who knew that I rapped, they were just like, oh, are you going to do this for real? Or, mm. and I was like, I was super offended by that question. <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Decide to do this for real and not just for fun. So what is that transition like? Like one day you wake up and say, I'm going to do this for real, what what changed for you after that? Like, how did you move? How did you move different? Um, I think rapping wise, I I tried to be a little bit more conceptual in projects that I was coming out with. Um, you know, I tried to just have all aspects of me inside of the music, but like also um, presenting outwards in a way that I hadn't before. I had been rapping in duos and groups always um so coming up with my first solo project nap time in 2015 i was kind of just it was kind of like an introduction to my own voice for myself too mm. um so i think instead of deciding what the group thought was sounding best or uh the picking the flows that fit well with other people i was it was the first time i was by myself and able to really figure out what my sound really was and able to pick beats that I really, really loved and not just beats that were available to me. Um, so, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, Nina, you know, in terms of production, um, how's that process like um, when you collab with another producer? And do you also have an ear for beats? Like, do you ever try pr produ production as well? Yeah, so on my album dumbed out I, I produced some of the drums on a few of those tracks okay um, i just started producing like a year and a half ago uh i'm not super confident but it's something i like <laughs> to do 
um, but the process, I'm one of those people who I love to work with the same producers over and over. Um, mm. I collaborate with the same producers a lot and I love being in the same room. You know, that's my, mm. if I can, if I can, um, because I think I have a lot of input and I love just working with producers who are receptive to that and mm-hmm. who want to build something together, like build a new, build a song together, even if they have a beat prior, but they, they're willing to take my adjustments or whatever um, and make something that feels good to both of us instead of just taking what was already there. Um, yeah. So I think that's pretty much my process. Uh, I think in the past few years though, I've been trying to collaborate with more black women producers because uh, I haven't, I haven't much in my career, like prior to a couple years ago, you know, I was, it was always like me and some random dude, like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> some random, that random beat maker dude who we all know, who was just like, yeah, <laughs> <what am> I <laughs> <laughs> hip hop. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was reading a piece in the wire, um, shout out to Madeline Byrne, this writer, um, but she interviewed you and you guys were, uh, I think you named off like some MCs that you're into and stuff. And like the list was great. It was like cats were into like Mavi, uh, Kwele Chris, uh, Pink Sifu. Um, you know, what about their music strikes you and kind of, what do you guys think about, you know, is there something similar in fashion that you bring in your releases that are similar to the music of, 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 um, of, of the artists you just mentioned? Well, I love Mavi because I'll take him, for instance, he, he, he's really, I'm trying to find a better word than honest, but like you can feel that what he's writing is not a farce. Like he, mm-hmm. he really <laughs> lives what he writes. And that's mm-hmm. my main, you know, that's one of my main criteria for MCs that I love. Um, you have to be able to feel that's really coming from a real place. And it's not talking bullshit. He's, he's, he's smart as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, I love that. I love that. I love being able to listen to something a million times and not really get it um, until, you know, the millionth and one time. Like, right, um, right. And Sifu, he's just an amazing person and his vibe is just so chill. He can, he can really get on anything, any type of style. He's, he's mm-hmm. a chameleon. Um, and, I like that too. I like I like people who take challenging instrumentals, beats, or whatever, and like make it their own. Um, I try to do that a lot myself. Just take the thing that that is hard to hear at first and uh, try to make it easier to listen to. So, so thank you. Mm-hmm. So, but who was who is at the uh, at the top of when you started rapping? Um, who are some of the primary influences that made you feel like, oh, I I can do this, or I want to do this? Um, Jean Grey. Okay. Mm. Uh, Missy definitely. I listened to a lot of Blue mm. at the time. I listened to a lot of. I'm trying to think who made me think that it was possible. I don't know. I'm in love with Isaiah Rashad. I know that wasn't mm. he. Uh, the Sun's tirade came out when I was trying to tour in Europe for the first time, and I think listening to that kind of made me feel like I could do it in a way. Um, I have a lot of influences. Uh, I also like, I love gangster rap. Like I love Freddie Gibbs. I love currency. I love, mm-hmm. I love that. I love Schoolboy. Like that's my right. shit, you know, so. It's dope. 
Yeah. Um, let's talk about 30 bag a little bit. It's your newest project. And um, I think we've all kind of run it back multiple times. There's a lot to get out of it, even though it's relatively brief. I don't know if you consider an EP or if there, if these terms matter anymore, but yeah, you get a lot accomplished in, in kind of a short runtime. And I, I think there was a couple things that stood out to me. And one was the, um, I just want to make sure I get the titles right here. Uh, Sick a lot that um, just kind of, tackles wellness and like general well-being in a way that I found really refreshing and then um modestly I think is my cut on there um and just I just really like the way the chorus is constructed and just the um like the, the kind of fierceness that you brought to that one so if you could just kind of talk us through those two a little bit like maybe what your approach was and what you were what you're trying to accomplish or how, what you heard in the beat that resonated with you or what it really whatever you kind of want to tell us yeah, um, Sick A Lot is my favorite cut, and I keep saying that every week. Like, I'm like, oh, it's going to change, but really, when I, when I heard that beat, so the whole project was a collaboration with Unjust. Um, he's also from Oakland, and, uh, you know, produced for Hyro and like, a whole bunch mm -hmm. of songs. Um, so when I heard that beat, I got that beat kind of late in the process um, of making the project, and when I heard it, I was just like, oh, yeah, I have to have this one, like. Mm. That was no denying. And um, the sick a lot was just like something I've been trying to write about a lot or like have written about previously, but um, it kind of just came easy. Like I struggle with like a lot of people, like anxiety and um, the way that physically shows up in my life is like, you know, sometimes I, I feel sick, like obviously, like really a lot, like, and I've kind of normalized that and just, mm been able to live with it but when I try to you know that song is kind of about remembering that in those moments and like just checking in with myself and stuff like that and then um modestly uh yeah I love modestly too um I just one it features Masai who's my favorite rapper from Brownsville she's filthy and I'm willing to put so much money that she is in the, like she's the one like in the future you know okay. so, Okay. Um, she's I had to have her on the cut and I knew that um, she felt similarly like I don't know I, I kind of love hate talking about this but like I've been feeling kind of left out of this boys club of hip hop uh, recently and that song is kind of about that about like how you know I personally feel <laughs> I can out rap a lot of motherfuckers and I just <laughs> feel like yeah, yeah. But I feel like there's this certain modesty that uh, is expected of you, um, especially, you know, if you're, yeah, especially if you're someone who presents as me or, um, so that song is kind of about like, yeah, I would like to be modest, but also like, I will eat all you guys. <laughs> 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 I yes. heard that. Yes. <clears throat> Nina, what's your, what's your uh, writing process like? Do you write into the note section in your phone? Do you have a pen and pad? Um, you hear so it go off? Like, yeah, like I, I had been writing in the note section of my phone for a long time. And then <laughs> uh, I went back to the, for this whole EP, I just wrote in the pad because I was planning to, probably still going to come out with a zine of like the lyrics. Uh, oh, right dope. okay. Oh, keep us posted. And it felt completely different and better. And like, I used to write in the page a lot more and just move to the phone. But this, I think it actually does do something to the flow um, because it's like the spacing on the page. It kind of like became a math problem at some point, you know, it was like, 
oh, if I write my hook here and then the verse, I won't have enough uh, room to like yeah, flip yeah. the page while I'm recording. <laughs> right. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We've, we've talked to a lot of MCs about that. It's we've kind of added that question mm-hmm. into the rotation of we've, we've talked to quite a few MCs over the course of doing the show. And it's really been interesting how all of them noted that their, the, the method of writing influenced the lyrics mm-hmm. and like Raz Cass is a, is a pen and pad guy. He would never do the like Jay-Z off the dome. Like I've got it all set yeah. thing here. The writing is the process through which he discovers the next line. And a couple of other people have toggled back and forth between the notes app and the phone and like the convenience of that versus the kind of like, it almost feels like um, ancient to like write long form now. You know what I mean? I'm a notes guy. I'm taking notes on the show right now. And it's not, I don't look back to the note. I just, the act of writing it is the thing that makes me remember mm-hmm. like what happened. So it's just, it's just been an interesting uh, different kind of series of responses, but we we tend to, affiliate ourselves and uh kind of find kinship with the people who still write you know what i mean (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it's definitely yeah there's definitely something nostalgic about it Mm -hmm. absolutely so for for those who may not be familiar kind of what was what was your guiding premise for 30 bag like when you went in to to do this collaboration was it uh did you have a, a conceptual theme framework in mind? I know you, you work with one producer. Like, what was your kind of mindset going into to creating this project? Well, Dirty Bag is a, um, a baby of COVID. It definitely mm. would not have happened without me being stuck in the house. Um, <laughs> I was planning to be on tour. Uh, I had, like, a couple of dates planned, blah, blah, blah. And then ended up making this, and my birthday was – in May and I wanted, I was turning 30. So oh, um, okay. I wanted to put this out in celebration of that. And just, uh, I also wanted to put it out because I hadn't been rapping over like sampled beats um, or like not really too boom bap ish stuff in a while. So mm-hmm. um, I just kind of wanted to challenge myself back to that. That's awesome. And what what is the response been? Cause I know not being able to tour and how that's kind of impacts people being able to engage with the work what is the thus far what has the response been it's been pretty good i think i don't know the the industry's in a weird climate i put out three projects in the past year and a half so i think it's hard to catch up (laughs) and it's also like it's timing you know it's like people tap into like past shit but won't listen to this and it's cool like I put it out, this specific project for myself, um, I've gotten some good reviews. I've also gotten looked over from people who I would, thought would, um, you know, write, a, write about it or whatever. But um, I feel really good about the project and I'm still going back and listening to it like once a week, which doesn't always happen. So <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I just want to be honest with you. Like um, I listened to Extraordinary as part of my research for the show as well. And I hadn't listened to that when it came out. And I I was just blown away by, this is again, my estimation. And I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like you got a lot better in between those couple of things. Like it's, there's a little bit of um, coffee housey poetry vibe on Extraordinary perhaps. And then on this one, you, you're rapping like yeah, it's just it's, it's, a, it's a it's a different gear i think yeah. and I, I just i'm wondering if you you can 
accept that and if how you feel about it. Yeah, I definitely accept that. Like when I go back and listen to old things, I mean, Extraordinary is probably my least favorite project that I put out. Um, mm. um, but yeah, I I noticed the growth too. Like, and I feel like I haven't even been comfortable really with my sound um, mm. until like probably a year ago or so, like, you know, two years ago with like really feeling like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm in my bag. I can, I do this, I do this well. This is what I'm, you know what I'm saying? This is how I'm gonna move. Like that, that's new. So yeah, when I hear my old things, I'm like, ah, it's sometimes a little hard to listen to. <laughs> like, um, sometimes there's some cuts, some lines, but I'm like, yo, what? I said that? <laughs> but, that's dope. Yeah, but it, it's cool to be able to see the growth and hear the growth. And, yeah as a fan or like kind of like i don't really consider myself to be a critic but we do talk about music and we have to talk about artists growth and where they are in their career and it's important to us and we're trying to like follow all these people and i personally feel like we're in like kind of a golden age of whatever art rap or whatever you want to call it like i feel lucky to live when quelle chris is making his music and woods is making his music and you're making your music and like i'm i'm tracking that and trying to filter it to our audience are mostly like older heads who grew up in the 90s and yeah. I'm like trying to explain to them that this is another 90s that they should yeah. be paying attention right. to that they can yeah. get something out of this so um it, it just um it just yeah I agree like it's really scene. striking <laughs> yeah the scene in Brooklyn is like nothing but heat like it's amazing <laughs> like I can't even yeah like when you go to some of these shows it's just I just can't believe some of these people are in the same rooms together. And then when I think about the legacy of hip hop and I think about all these stories that I know and love of like, you know, folks in Philly, like the Roots and, and Joe Scott and everybody being in the same room or like how this was happening before Green, you know what I'm saying, right. mm -hmm. years ago or like all these little places. I'm like, yeah, we're definitely experiencing that right now. You know, there's no doubt about that. Like in 10, 20 years, these people who are in these rooms are gonna be the ones who, who we're talking about, definitely. So do you, do you, you kind of mentioned, you touched on this a little bit, but um, I just wanna dig a little bit deeper into this idea that you are part of this um, scene, which we've referred to on the program as like the vanguard. We're, and we're talking about uh, the Backwoods, Armin Hammer, Quelle mm -hmm. Chris, um, a lot of folks who are doing Makami, all these folks. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a little bit of being overlooked in that mm -hmm. in that kind of space do you do you attribute that solely to just the the dudeness of hip-hop like because hip-hop is so male do you feel like some yeah, cats are just aren't even checking yeah i don't think it's personal like i'm not like gated like oh you you're not this is me you're not this is me. like i get i do get good looks you know quella is a good homie of me of mine who took me under his wing who like you know, there's definitely people out there who are listening and who are peeping. And, um, you know, I don't want to deny that at all. But I do think that, yeah, the general male heteroness of <laughs> the history of hip hop is like, yeah, yeah I, I do get ignored. And artists like me do get ignored sometimes because of that, you know, but from like larger publications or larger mm. lenses, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like the ones who are, the folks who are typed in, they're excited about it. You know, they're excited yeah. to tell somebody new, to sell somebody around me or whatever, tell somebody about Pink Sifu or Mavi or whatever. Like people are really excited to put you on and like, to yeah. be like, yo, I listen to this amazing person. Like, you know, so I, I'd rather take that over people just reading my name and listening to my music 
because it's like on some list and skimming over it, you know, I'd rather mm. than be it. That's dope. Well, I mean, speaking of people who like shouted you out, we uh, were just talking to Tajay from um, Souls of Mischief last week and he, he mentioned you. So, you know, um, that, that was really great to he uh, hear and see. Um, just, yeah. uh, you know, we were talking about you getting feedback for your albums and stuff. Has there been a particular moment of feedback or a comment or something that struck you from somebody listening to your projects? I mean, all the time. Like, I kind of have these one-off conversations in my Instagram DMs sometimes of like um, just random people. Um, I mean, Tajay, like, you know, that was my dad. That's like my dad's proudest moment. Like, he's like, oh, you can play hip hop. Like, he's like, yo, Tajay is talking to me about you? Yeah, like, you're good. So, <laughs> that's you know, dope. And also Ish, I'm good friends with Ishmael, um, mm -hmm. Shabazz, and yeah, like, to my dad, I'm done. So I just feel like <laughs> those kind of comments, like those are the ones that pretty much drive me. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like it really is OGs in the game who I get respect from who like, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm supposed to be doing this because even without rap, I've always learned from OGs, like in the, in the um, you know, wherever, in school, yeah. at home, wherever. So in my community. Um, so I think their, their acknowledgement and, um, the fact that I'm rapping about shit I want to be rapping about, I'm not holding nothing back and they're still fucking with it. I'm mm -hmm. like, like, that feels good to me. That's dope. Uh, Nina, as we kind of head towards a conclusion here, I was wondering if um, we, we want to talk just a couple of minutes about just the immense changes that are happening in the world. There's people out marching in the streets. Like we're seeing calls to defund the police. Like we, we obviously can't cover the totality of the everything that's happening but i guess i just wanted to ask you if you're comfortable talking about it like are are you a protester are you a donator are you a sign maker like how are you like participating in this moment if you don't mind kind of sharing with your audience and with our audience yeah i think i've actually been a little bit confused on how to participate um i previously post protested a lot in oakland um mm. in 2011 and 20, like all the time you know so um but new york has felt different to me ever since I've been here. Just, you know, it's such a police state and I hate to, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to be, I'm not like scared of that, but there is this sort of looming fear that's different here. Um, I'm proud of the protesters and I'm down and I, you know, pretty much every other day I've been like, yeah, I should go out there. Um, people have been freaking me out about COVID. I just don't mm -hmm. know what the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so, but I have been donating a lot um, and I work with an organization called Brooklyn Boyhood and we've been donating and we've also been providing support for um, black and brown, trans, queer um, folks. So uh, there's a lot of ways that I try to show up, but at the end of the day, like I would like to show up more. I'm just trying to figure out what that looks like exactly. Yeah. I think that's a real reaction that many, many of us have had. So Thanks for that answer. Yeah. Also, is it, do you feel like this will have some impact on your music, what you write about, how the things you choose to put out into the world? No, I think I've been writing about the same shit over. <laughs> I think if you go back and listen to my albums from 2015, I'm writing about cops killing black people. I'm writing about us being displaced. I'm writing about not having bread. Like I'm writing about equity. I've been writing about the same shit. I don't think it's going to change. All right. That's good. That's actually dope. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, we thank you for coming on the program, making time. Uh, once again, 30 Bag is an amazing record. We recommend that all of our listeners go uh, check it out. And one day when we're all off house arrest, see Nappy Nina live. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you all for having me. Through. Absolutely. It was thank a pleasure. You. All right. right be well. Take care. Dad Bar Rap Pod, that was our interview with Nappy Nina. We just want to thank her so much for um, for coming on the program. Uh, yeah, just really thoughtful, open. I thought Nate's question about her improvement from project to project, a little risky. A little risky. <laughs> I think there's some rappers that would have taken exception to that, but she was super cool about it and, and definitely agreed with your assessment. Luckily, she agreed, right? Like, um, <laughs> it, it, it is a little risky, and I'm... I'm, I don't think I'm a particularly good interviewer. Like you guys have probably like had to listen to my weird interviewing style the most of anyone. And you guys even hear the stuff that doesn't make the show. But <laughs> basically my style is like, I say a thing I think and then be like, so what do you True think about that? Yeah. True and then like sometimes that works and a lot of times it really doesn't. So I don't know. I, I, in a perfect world, you guys would do the interviews and I would just sit here adjusting knobs or whatever. Um, but I'm glad she was able to have the conversation. And I'm, I'm actually a little bit okay with the interview being a little bit uncomfortable at times because I think it gets you to more interesting places, but you have to like set some boundaries. Sure, sure. But, no, you, but... you, put your, you put your toe out in that water very skillfully. And Nate, you are more than just a knob turning EDM DJ. <laughs> we need you out here. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Did you guys happen to see? We haven't really talked about this. That, that David Guetta guy like did the worst oh, my. remix of MLK, and a, he was anyway, like George Floyd. Shout out to his family. Yes, yes. Did you see this, Damone? No. It was, was the, he, the cringiest thing ever, dude. He was like it, EDM DJing on his like penthouse apartment, uh, like just um, it was. Like, Techno beat over MLK's I Have a Dream speech. And he yeah. does this. He does this no, when it drops. It's the yeah, grossest thing. We don't. You have to look it up okay. because it's like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And like we, the, we never talked about it right when it happened. And it's kind of like, because the world is moving so fast right now, that feels like it was like a year and a yeah, half ago. Yeah. But like, oh my God, did he play himself? Yeah, oh man, this is, uh, this is the same cat who ABC News put to us as a person who brought house music to America. David Gibbs. So Jesus Christ. <laughs> so uh uh shout I've out never to never heard uh, that before. That's extremely that's offensive. Insane. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It's it's good times. Um so wow. I'm just I'm reeling from that. Uh Nappy Nina, definitely check out 30 Bag. Uh we talked about it a little bit last week. Um is in line with kind of all the artists that she talked about from uh Mavi to Quella Quo, Quo Chris. If you like that stuff, I think you will definitely uh, fuck with 30 Bag, as I think we all do. It's a cool record. Really, really, really well done record. I'm going to listen to it a lot this year. I can already tell. It's like, I, and because it's so short, mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. rewards multiple listens. More listens. So, totally. Yeah, it's, it's, totally. it's really well done. But He's very thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we thank, we thank Nappy Nita for coming on. Um, I had a question 
that was going to compare her to Guap Dad that I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get it off. I got to get the Nate, I got to do the Nate preamble. I always yes. think about, you, yeah, yeah. I got to learn how to do the Nate preamble uh, to set up my question. But you're like, so your whole career is possibly a scam. <laughs> Are you like Guap Dad in that way? <laughs> Not where I was going. Guap Dad is very vocal about having to have left Oakland in order to make his name because he's, he's actually from oakland and he's not connected to the city in that way right, right so right. i think nappy nina is of a, that similar thing where it's like she's from oakland and if you know oakland they typically will embrace their artists in a particular way um that has not happened for either of those artists so i'm always interested maybe it's a byproduct of gentrification i don't know um but shout out to nappy nina for coming on the program she is definitely underrated um, but we are here to discuss, I'm a Segway God, uh, we are here to discuss overrated, underrated for this week. We have three more rappers. We are going to start with you, Mr. David Ma. Who do you bring before the over under board of judgment? My pick this week is going to be Domino from Hieroglyphics. Ooh. Not the ghetto jam guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, Every time I call him the, the ghetto jam guy, but he had two hits. What was his other sweet thing? Sweet Potato Pie? Yes. No. Yeah, what Sweet Potato Pie? I think pie? so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. that guy. Um, he, we will discuss him on a future segment of Over Under. Today, Dave has brought Domino from Hieroglyphics to the party. Um, I'm going to go under only because he's a... Uh, He's not really mentioned, you know, when we talk about the greatness of hieroglyphics and everything they've done, and we've had it, some of the members on the program. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he, his name comes up enough in terms of being kind of one of the architects of their original sound. Mm -hmm. um, and really, to me, being like the blueprint for West Coast backpackery. Like, it wasn't, yeah. it clearly yep. wasn't... Um, uh, digging in the crates, mm -hmm, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Definitely influenced mm -hmm. by, but there was right. something uh, that always felt really West Coast about Domino. Totally, totally. Well, I mean, I it, I thought of Domino because there was a West Coast uh, Twitter thread about like who were some dope West Coast uh, producers, and I was like, you never see Domino's name, and he's never such do. a nucleus. He's such a nucleus for the whole backpack scene that you were talking about, Damone. And also, I mean, if you look up their credits, I mean. Dell's albums, Casuals, Souls. He has mm -hmm. some of the best beats, and many of them also. He's and the he, jazz loop god. Totally, totally. Just so many, just like he obviously has an insane record collection. If you guys haven't listened to it, it's a it's a quite a bit older episode at this right. point. But we interviewed Domino before to talk about Casuals, Fear itself, which has some of the best jazz loops in hip hop history on that record, and it, it emerged at the time that he lived basically inside Groove Merchant the best right. record store in the world. There's a little apartment in the back that's not, I don't think anyone lives there now, but it's just kind of like the back room of the store. And he like lived in there when the previous owners, the guy who runs Ubiquity Records, uh, Michael McFadden, mm -hmm. I think is his name, uh, owned it. So yeah, I mean, it, he's deeply underrated. Um, and I think because he's a humble, like kind of like right. uh, role player right. seeming cat. Well, like, well, that's he, the other he never puts himself forward. Right. I was going to say, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, he's, he, he also runs the label and he also does a lot of their management. I mean, he is mm. he's totally this behind the scenes nucleus guy who also has made 50 amazing beats, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that is a definite easy 
underrated pick. Underrated. All right. There was a consensus amongst the group as well. We are going to move on to spicy, picante, uh, Nate LeBlanc. I know what this take is. I don't know what the take is. I know who he's bringing forth. And I just think this is such an interesting conversation. Nathaniel. All right, guys. We have to talk about CL Smooth. (laughs) CL not smooth? Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) CL rough. Uh, What do you think? Oh, this is so hard. I go back and forth um, on just this exact thing. Was CL Smooth criminally underrated or was he lightweight talking some nonsense? I can never, I can never, sometimes <laughs> I listen to, to older stuff, you know, I'll listen to Mecca and the Soul Brother right. and I'll go, this really feels like in terms of like cadence and weird pockets and things, very ahead of its time considering when it came out. And then sometimes I'm like, I never, I couldn't catch it then and I can't catch it now. Like sometimes I'm, I would struggle to be like, what are you talking about? So when we have these conversations, I think Sun Ra, shout out to Sun Ra, who I mentioned on every program because he's cool. <laughs> uh, he had a Twitter poll that was like pitted Mecca in the Soul Brother versus um, Stunt Spunts and Hip Hop. Mm. And I will ever forever say that Stunt Spunts and Hip Hop was a better record because like the songs the song material was just more tangible. I think CL Smooth always had this layer. I don't know if it was poetic or he's being obtuse or whatever the fuck, but I could never quite wrap my mind around what he was getting at. Um, even on even on their most iconic record. Right. He's just kind of giving you this weird snatches of stuff. So I, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I'm not, oh, this is so hard. I have to declare... You know what? I'm going to say this. For talking that wild and having different pockets in 92 and shit, I'm going to go underrated. Wow. I talked myself into it. I walked back. I that walked makes, back from the edge. That makes no sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Dad Bar Rap Uh I think, I think when, you, when you revisit it, I, his writing is way too fragmented. You know, like, to your point, you have no idea what he's talking about. I mean, and... The, the other thing, I, I don't know if you'd necessarily have no idea what he was talking about, but it doesn't stick with you. And the other thing that doesn't bode well for him is that those beats are so me- memorable that yeah. they drown him out. You know, I think, I think when you listen to what, what has aged more, I mean, um, Pete Rock's beats are ageless, you yeah. know? And CL, yeah. you know, you better come with it. And if it was, I don't know, um, Cool G-Rap and Pete Rock or something, you know? Right. Or, we're talking right. different galaxies of projects. Mm. So I think Seal Smooth is way fucking uh, overrated, dude. Way overrated. If he did not have the Pete Rock with him, I don't know. Are we checking yeah. out his yeah. solo shit? Mm-hmm. No uh, I'm no going to have to go ahead and agree with Dave, and that's <laughs> kind of why I brought this up. Kind of a sacred cow. Right. Um, has his moments, but actually not a rapper I really enjoy listening to or or the and like I'm I'm not like all about basing things on how many quotables people have but like right. when you take Troy out of the discussion right yeah how many quotables does CL Smooth really have like like there's MCs that's like helps me live a better life right sure. like right. taught me about like just 
so political structures and like uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know their their experience and right. like the sun rising in right. the east but it sets in the west <laughs> um, and like just like I, don't, I can't remember a single thing yeah. I ever learned from C.L. Smooth like right like well uh, I mean we were just mentioning um, shrines earlier and going back to lines and seeing how things fit and I have never done that once with him you know, right. I've never reminisced over fucking sales. Oh, ouch! <laughs> Ever. That is lethal. And, and also, Damone, you just did what I consider to be a Rolling Stone style review where, like, the text of the review does not match the star rating. <laughs> it's like for many years, especially when I was a kid, my parents used to subscribe to Rolling Stone and I would kind of hate read it. And, like, I love Bob Dylan probably more than the next man, unless the next man is Dave, and that's, like, something <laughs> we have in common. But, like, um, I, I can only read so much about Boomer era. Yeah, yeah. hagiography, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. It's been done. So yeah. it would be like they, the writer would be like reviewing the new uh, Tribe album and he'd give it like the most glowing review in the text and then it's like oh, it could only get three stars. Like in the <laughs> right, Rolling right, Stone right, right, universe, right. rap could only get three <laughs> right, stars. Right. And then you'll read and it's like U2's new album and they're like, oh, it's kind of spotty and we, we're not really sure about this new direction. Five stars. Five stars. Totally, totally. So it's like, that's, that's some bullshit. But it's totally. all we all know the editors decide the star raiders ratings and right. not the writers. Yes, Pete Rock is actually my editor. I wasn't allowed to, uh, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to, uh, to trash CL. I'll, I'll say this. I'm, I think I'm more forgiving to rappers um, who came out in the era before shit was figured out. Like I always, I always give this nod to folks who um, were around when shit was still being figured out. Like he, you know, for what CL Smooth was doing, yes, weird, not super listenable, but definitely <laughs> different. Like you know, nobody it. was rapping like that before or it's since. Unique, I'll say unique. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely different, and. Um, I will just hold that down because when Pete Rock comes on this program, I love that smoke. <laughs> Those, um, those those albums are super long and like i i actually long. think like right this right. is a favorite damone uh point to return to like how many of those songs really needed that third verse totally not Dude. many mecca and the soul like, brother oh, in oh particular. you got more girls at the mall right, yeah. right. <laughs> more hookers at the party yeah um, yeah yeah mecca and the soul brother th- my main knock on that record and we're not talking about that specifically but is is just like it's a lot of songs and they're all long and it's, you know, it's a, it's a little but I, it, it's, I You guys know how I feel about skits and interludes. I would rather listen to Pete Rock interludes than CL Smooth raps. So you could make, <laughs> you, could, you could cut four or five songs and keep every Pete Rock piece. Right. And it would right. just be a much better record. All it's right. Too, it's too many ingredients. It's oh. too many ingredient, motherfucker. <laughs> you know? The main ingredient is those beats. <laughs> oh. Right. Okay, right. all right, but right. Since, since we're here, we will move on. But since we're here, Pete Rock versus CL Smooth on the mic. Their first single was Pete Rock. That's acting. true. Ah. I'm a big creator fan. I actually like Pete Rock mm-hmm. on the mic quite a bit. Like yeah. when they switched roles, they might have the best role switching yeah, songs. We like had this CL's talk, scratches were pretty good, and uh, yeah. Pete Rock's rhymes were more than serviceable, they're actually more memorable than the hundreds of songs seemingly that uh, his, his partner had. Wow. And it's okay, like you guys know, especially before I kind of felt this way about Guru too. It's just like those, those producer duo albums in the long album era, it just gets samesy. 
Yeah. And it's like, they're just, they're just not bringing a ton of different looks to the party. So it's kind of like the same thing over and over where it's classic hip hop. And I'm, I, I own both those records. I love Pete Rock and Seal Smooth. Like I, this is from a place of love and it's like, I love it. So I can criticize it kind of like black blast uh, man in San Francisco vibe, but like, it's like, it's a little much and that's all I'm saying. So I think Dang. he's a little overrated and given what we currently know about rap and it's wow. like, I, I mean it in a well-meaning way. I, I, they're great. And like, you called CL smooth art Garfunkel in this piece right here. <laughs> this is whew, oh, it's a I lot got, going on. I'm um, not too okay. sure on the guru comparison either, but I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Um, so the last person that we will put before the board of over under is um, a rapper who has been described as the Black Bill Murray. Um, I'm not making that up. Uh, this is Gucci Mane, um, who had a really interesting kind of thing when he went to jail and lost weight and kind of became buds with Malcolm Gladwell. And just, he's had a very interesting life, but we're, we're talking about uh, his rap output um, so that's why I, I bring before you Gucci Mane. Dave. I think he is underrated. Um, I, I like his voice. I see why people like him. I kind of like that song Black Beatles. I don't, yeah. I don't really fuck with the, the, the people he typically fucks with. Like, I'm not checking for 21 Savages in the album and shit. Okay. But typically speaking, it's like, oh, who is this? Oh, okay, it's Gucci Mane. Okay, all right, all right. And the Malcolm Gladwell connections just obviously yeah. endearing as fuck yeah okay so you're going underrated i'm also Daniel. going underrated but i have a caveat right. um he's overrated to people who were kids and like their foundational thing is all southern mixtape rap okay. like to them he's like god and okay. i'm not gonna go that far like i yeah. right right i'm yeah. a cool g rap guy you know what i mean i'm not gonna go right. so far as to say like gucci mains very interesting compelling druggy take on like early trap music is the best thing ever i'm not saying that right but i think he's underrated among like the people we tend to like swim in this water with of like the real hip-hop heads sure like mm -hmm. they, they they won't even give him a chance they would be like right. that's bullshit that's garbage it's all right. mixtapes that's the southern right. drawl it's like right. it's not it's all about drugs it's like so because that's kind of who I tend to talk to more both online and in real life. Like, I think he's, he's actually quite underrated among them. And like, right. this is a very like suburban answer to this, but like, go listen to, he has the best first day out of jail song. <laughs> that, <laughs> okay. And that's, that's a hip hop thing now. Like, yeah, uh, right. it, I don't know if you guys, unfortunately, saw this, but, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Writer and friend of the program, Jeff Weiss, among other hip-hop writers got arrested at the protests and there was like yeah. a very brief because they were not locked up for that long free jeff weiss free jeff weiss <laughs> i almost bought a shirt ago yeah. somebody, somebody was like uh you know we need we need a first day out freestyle from jeff weiss <laughs> and so, five thousand words let's yes. go let's go yes first day out the feds by gucci Mane is my favorite gucci Mane song and uh, it's, it's a movie like that is okay. such a good song like mm -hmm. it's just like he it, it, by that time he had his new teeth and he was he, he had gotten in shape and he got right. off lean in jail and stuff. And like, it's so vivid and cinematic. It's like, I, I want like the Scorsese adaption of that movie <laughs> that he wrote. So, and there's some guest spots that I really like, like um, on the Revenue Retrieving series, he's got a song where he goes back and forth with E40 that I really yeah, like. Yeah. And like, he's yeah. just, he's, he's a good rapper and he's such an interesting person 
that I yeah. feel like he's he's a little overrated for mixtape era heads and deeply underrated among right. real hip hop heads. He can rap his ass off. Yeah, and he has good good voice, good presence. Yeah, but to your point, Nate, it depends on who you talk to. Totally. He's and he's really overrated. And- legit scary in spring breakers which i know is a divisive film i think is one of the better hip-hop films of recent era spring breakers yeah okay okay we can have that talk sometime i have a whole dissertation i'll get my pitch deck going okay okay (laughs) spring breakers Uh, is a hip-hop movie convince me otherwise okay okay (laughs) um wow these are these are very interesting gucci main takes um i have always liked you guys i love the voice um he says funny things. To me, he's one of the rappers that um, he telegraphs his punchlines in a really cool way, like Mac Dre used to do, where you're not, you're not like, what is he going to say? Like, you know where it's going, but you still enjoy him getting there, like, and mm. doing his thing. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go underrated as well with, with a caveat. He is on overrated alert in the sense that um, he released, and I've got, I should have the album titles. His last two records have been like poop, like just bad, bad records. And I'm afraid he's getting into this zone, which I think Future kind of occupies and also Da Baby now, where they can just release these bad batches of songs and people act like it never happened. Like, you know what I mean? Like Gucci yeah. Man is, is two albums removed from some of this hotter stuff. I really like the the project that he did with Metro Boomin, um, when Metro Boomin was a thing. And like, I believe this was like 17, 2017 p- perhaps. Um, but yeah, it's, at some point he's in danger of falling into that caricature mode that kind of Snoop got in as well. Where it was more about him and his voice and his personality and not like the mm-hmm. actual song output. But, but, but for most of the people who are listening to this, have not given Gucci Mane a good run. Um, you've listened to way too much CL Smooth, not enough Gucci <laughs> Mane. Attribute that to Nate. Um, gotta have a balanced diet. You gotta have a balanced diet. For sure. For um, sure. So I'm, I'm also gonna go under, but Gucci Mane, if you're listening and you're not, we need a, we need a hot record from you. Come on. <laughs> I, I think that time is kind of over. He's like elder statesman at this point. Like, right. Totally. It's like courtside at Atlanta games. Like, uh, I just don't think it's happening again for him. But I could be wrong. I'd love to be proven wrong on that. And again, I've probably listened to a hundredth of the music he's put out. Like, same. same. I did not follow his mixtape run. I remember when cats were coming in the record store looking for it, and it was the um, all the stuff was yellow. I can't remember the name right. of the song, but I know I'm like that song's hot as fuck and so icy is a great song. But like, right. I, I've heard like, oh yeah. 20 of his songs and he has like 2,000 songs so I'm I'm not an expert on this I I, I think of him more as like a cultural figure but same yeah Dadbot Rap Pod, always got the illest guests. Today we have MC Shea Noir. You may know her from her work with previous guests, 38 Spech. 
Um, she's got an album coming up. I think that's going to need to be a spot reserved on the end of the year album list with Apollo Brown. Um, we're really excited to speak to her. Um, Che, how are you? Thanks for doing this. Tell the people a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from. Well, first, how, how are you guys doing this evening? Good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah we're doing well. Warm where I am, but it's, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate y'all having me on. Um, no, well, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. We're, like Nate said, we're a big fan, so thank you. Appreciate you guys. Um, well, just to give a little, um, kind of like a short little history behind me. Um, I was born um, and raised in Buffalo, New York. I moved to Niagara Falls when I was like 14, 15 years old. Um, which is like 20 minutes away from Buffalo. And mm. when I moved to Niagara Falls, I started doing music. Um, I had an ex-boyfriend of mine who was, a, he was like a big producer in the town um, in Niagara Falls. And even like just mainly like upstate, he had like a, um, a little buzz up here with producing. Um, he actually taught me how to work Fruity Loops, mm. which is a producing program. Um, this was back in 2009, he taught me. So I actually, I was like 15 years old at the time. I started producing, like actually making beats. And once I learned how to make the beats, I said, oh, I don't have anyone to rap over the beats. So like that following year when I was 16, I started rapping. And I made my first 16 when I was 16. I know it's nice. kind of corny. But <laughs> That's dope. Sweet 16. But, um, yeah. <laughs> But I would say fast forward, maybe five years later, that's when I really started taking my music serious because I started linking and being around people who who were, I wouldn't say they were involved in the music scene upstate, but they they were fans of like this type of rap that I do now. Mm -hmm. um, so when they found out I could rap, they were like, oh, hell no, nah, you gotta, you gotta rap. You can't play with it. It's time you take it serious. So me and my friend, um, my engineer at the time, um, this is back in 2014, 2015-ish, uh, we put some money and put a studio in his studio apartment um, right in his living room, and I just started recording out of there. Um, I actually recorded my first mixtape, which was called Poetic Thoughts. I was recording like a lot of freestyles over industry beats, but mm. I put out my first like project um, recording out of his studio apartment, like a little money that we put together for equipment in there. So once I put out that first project, um, well, actually, uh, let me just rewind a little bit. Um, I had a song from that first project that I put out that had like a little buzz up upstate and Benny caught ear to it. This was back in 2014. Benny caught ear to it. Oh, and once he found out about me, he wanted to work immediately with me. So um, we ended up moving my studio that I had out here in the falls because it was in Buffalo at first. We ended up moving into the falls to a bigger space. And he ended up driving to the falls and coming to do a song with me that got some buzz. Um, I went out to Chicago to record with a producer out there. We were supposed to put out an EP and it never ended up coming out, but I ended up sending a song, um, one of the songs that was released as a single to Spech. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's how we ended up linking up. Yeah, that's I mean, that was, that was going to lead to sort of the next question. I mean, you know, I don't want to jump around too much in your chronology, but you know, how did you link up with Spech? Did you guys, I, maybe I misread this, but did you guys just link up through like social media at first? It was Facebook. Um, oh, okay. I sent the, I sent the single, the, well, it was posted. It was, we had plans to put an entire EP out, but it, it just didn't end up working out. So I just put one of the singles from the EP out and mm -hmm. I sent it to Spech's personal Facebook page. 
And he got back to me in like two or three minutes later and said, yo, you're amazing. Um, you know, he's in Rochester, which is like an hour away from me. So um, we talked on the phone for like half an hour and he told me he wanted me to come out to Rochester and he wanted to have a meeting with me. So me and my cousin drove up to Rochester and um, that first meeting I had with him, he told me he wanted me to be a part of the team. And he made like an official announcement, like maybe three or four months later, because, you know, we had like some things to work out in between that time. But mm. once he made that announcement, you know, it was known to the world. I actually had to keep it quiet because Spech has a really huge buzz out here in the falls. Like he has a huge buzz out here. So he's like Drake out here and, and like <laughs> kind of like a local Drake in the falls. Like he's really that Let's big. Go. He sells out every single show he has here. So it was like a big deal when, when you know, when he made that announcement that I signed to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to kind of keep that under wraps. I'm around people and I'm like, I, got, I can't even say nothing because, you know, I'm trying to keep it quiet. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that was, that's kind of like how we linked up through Facebook. That's dope. That's dope. Well, I mean, you guys have tracks like Dying Greed where um, you guys kind of go back and forth. Like, uh, you know, can you give us a little insight about like the working process when on tracks where you guys trade versus? and what what that process is like yeah that was the first song i did like that um usually songs that i've done we either do a verse a piece Mm. but we actually were sharing a verse and that was the first time i did something like that so um we just went through he made the beat right in front of me and this was actually the last song that we recorded for thrill of the hunt too and um i remember when he made the beat um he said that we're gonna do a trade-off like kind of like a styles and kiss type of back and forth so I just started the this the verse out, you know, with my two lines, and he came with his two. I came with another three. He came with his two. Like we just kept feeding off of each other's lines, and um, yeah, that's pretty much. And even like songs that we've done together, where we have a verse apiece, mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of just feeding off the energy that we each give. Like most of the songs that we've done, he's always had his verse done before. Mm. Oh no, my bad. I was getting a phone call. You're good. Um, okay. He's always had. <laughs> He's always had his verse done um, before mine, so I usually just go off the energy I get from the track after hearing his verse. So dope, dope. Sure. Um, so you've been able, or you've been a part of a couple of other projects. I guess what I, I before I ask the question I was about to ask, can you help us understand the upstate New York scene? You intimated earlier that Rochester and Niagara Falls are not even close to each other, which I'm I'm from the West Coast. I don't understand, like. Where mm-hmm. it seems like one thing to us, but I think you're saying it's it's different. It's Ro- Rochester is different from Buffalo, is different from Niagara Falls. And like, it, I understand Niagara Falls to be like a tourist destination. I didn't really think of it as a city. Like, is there a, there's a no, hip hop thing? And like, um, can yeah, you tell um, us a little bit more about where you're from and like the, specifically like the hip hop scene and the energy there, because there's so much good music coming out of that part of the world right now between Griselda, Ito, Spesh, you, like, Trust Gang, like, just, there's just, it's popping, so can you help us understand it? Yeah, I mean, it is all together, but because we've been living here all our, our, you know, entire lives, it's really, um, like, okay, for example, I lived in Atlanta for a couple years when I was a kid. When I lived in Atlanta, I would tell people I'm from Buffalo, New York. Um, mm. And they'd be like, oh, you're from New York City. I'm like, no, I'm from Buffalo, New York. It's not the same thing. And it's kind of the same thing, like when special tells, because it's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, I will say a lot of people that reach out for interviews when I'm talking about special, sometimes in an interview, they'll say that special is from Buffalo. And I'm like, no, he's from Rochester. Mm. It's not the same thing. But um, 
with Niagara Falls, I get that a lot with people thinking that it's a tourist. I thought it was a tourist area too before I moved there. But this is an actual city. Um, and it's and and sadly it's a very poor, poverty stricken city. Okay. Um, there's a lot of crime in the city. To be honest with you, it's like a giant I, I say this to a lot of like my family that come and you know, sometimes come here to either party or hang out um or gamble or something. Like it's like a giant hood to me, honestly, because I'm from Buffalo, New York. Like, you know, I grew up really off of Broadway Street or um like East East and more South Buffalo, like, you know. And when I came here, I thought it was like a tourist, kind of like a touristy city. But no, it's a very poor city. Um, it's a lot of crime in the city. Um, low is, is, is the, the income here. I think the median is like 20000 a household here. Yeah, so it's, 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 um, it's, it's some stuff here. But, um, but more Niagara Falls is more closer um, to Buffalo than Rochester is. Okay. Like Niagara Falls okay. is only a twenty minute. I'm I'm in I live in Niagara Falls. I'm in Buffalo every single day. That's how close it is. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's really like that's why I say it's like an outskirt of Buffalo because like Niagara Falls is um I think the population here is like forty thousand. Buffalo is like three hundred thousand. So I consider this more like an outskirt like a Buffalo. Sure. Okay. Thank you. That's really helpful because we're we're fans of the music, but we don't really understand it. I guess I understood enough to not make the NYC connection that upstate and NYC are very different ecosystems. But I guess I'll say, um, just to kind of lead in where I was going, you, you've guessed it on a couple of things with the, the Griselda guys. Like, would you say that that helped raise your profile and like that um, they, they kind of provided kind of the battery in the back to kind of get things going? Or as a native and as someone who's been involved from the beginning, do you have a different perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, I would say they definitely they inspired a lot of us upstate because we've always been doing music. I mean, Benny and Spech have me by like, what, 10, 12 years? Like, they're way older than me. So um, I remember being a kid seeing Benny. Um, He's been doing music for as long as I can remember. So, um, but when I first started working with him, um, I don't even think he had his Griselda deal at the time. Mm. I, you know, they didn't even have the Shady deal at the time when I, when I was working with Benny. So when they had made, when they made that announcement that they had signed the Shady Records, that was like a huge thing. Like that motivated everybody, because it's always been a scene, a music mm -hmm. scene upstate. It just we don't like. I always say we don't have A and R's and record companies here, and a lot of them wouldn't even come to upstate to do any shows or showcases to see any of the artists. So we never we never had that. You know what I'm saying? That that. Um, like I would say, if you compare it to the city, like we didn't have that light over us. Mm. So um, when they signed their deal, that motivated us a lot. Um, and yeah, it definitely, it, it, it helped pull a lot of us and help, you know, a lot of us keep going with our music and kind of getting, I would say, some industry shine from it. Yeah. Because Benny was the first one out that group and he put everybody else on to me. Like, you know, so he was really the first one and, and he made it very like, you know, he'll go to certain interviews or even like he put Wes on to me, put Conway on to me. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely yeah. like, they definitely help pull the ones that are talented and have that voice, that right voice, you know, definitely help us pull it out. That's dope. That's dope. Um, you know, speaking of um, others, uh, other people you've worked with, um, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up um, the track with Apollo Brown and Black Thought. Um, mm -hmm. Wanted to see sort of um, what, how did it strike you when you finally heard the final product and, and how was it just to be on a track with, 
you know, the, the Tariq Trotter, the great one. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it was, it was dope. I actually like, we were actually trying to reach out to see what kind of features we can get, but all this was going on during this pandemic. And this is right. when it initially striked. So um, it was a lot of fear. A lot of people were scared to go to the studio. Um, you know, a lot of people were, didn't want to come out the house. Like, people are now, like, it's like, whatever now, you know what I'm saying? We're still taking precaution, but it's just like, okay, whatever now. Right. But this was, like, when it first hit in March. So <laughs> I, we was, like, you know, like, just tossing some names out there. And I was like, it'd be dope if we can get blacked up, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, and, and when Apollo reached out to him, he, you know, the biggest issue he had was that he couldn't get to a studio. So, mm. um, but he ended up sending the verse back, like, um, like maybe like a week after, no, it might, it might have been a few days after he had sent them the, the verse. And oh, he actually personally reached out to me on, on Instagram. Oh, he dope. told me like, you're dope. You know what I'm saying? We had like, you know, he, he actually gave me my flowers. I was like, that's, that's dope. dope. So, um, yeah, that, that was just, uh, that was a moment for me, you know? That was a moment for me. But um, like just hearing the final product of that song and then the mm -hmm. entire album as a whole, um, I'm very proud of this album because it's very me. And I took my time working on it too. Because mm -hmm. I started working on this back in September. So, you know, it, it just it's dope to see um, just, you know, something that I created and it's me and it's my life. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely dope. No, it's the track is super hot. It's totally just, it's such a good song. Um, I, yeah. I can't wait to hear the rest of it. And I know you just put out a second single. So the I think the buzz is kind of building. Um, can you tell us about um, how you and Apollo connected and like what your kind of vision was for the for the record in general? Yeah, he actually reached out to me um, a little after I dropped the little hunt too. And he told me he was a fan. Um, I was in the studio and I was on the phone with him and we just talked, we chopped it up for a minute. Um, um, once he, once we got the paperwork and stuff off situated, cause it took a couple months with that. That's when we were, were able to really go in and start like, okay, addressing the music part. And he would play some like different beats while he was working on them on the phone with me. But, um, he was, he sent me the first batch in like, I think it was like end of September, early October. And, um, when I first, when I heard the first batch, I was like, okay, this is the sound I've been looking for. Um, and I just kind of, I took my time. I don't even think I started writing for it until like maybe a few weeks later. Cause I was literally just in a car riding around to the beach, just trying to feel, feel it out and really just like, let, let them, let the beats, um, bring out, you know, whatever is supposed to bring out of me. So, mm. um, but yeah, I mean, he really had the sound in his head, his head. And I just, I just added the final instrument, which were you know, my lyrics, my voice, and, you know, we just took it from there, but it's, it's definitely one of my most cohesive projects so far. Mm, dope, dope. Well, you mentioned um, driving around, listening to the beats, and sort of absorbing them before you, before you wrote to them. Is, is that your normal process? Like, typically, if someone gives you some beats, like, how do you sort of sit there and, you know, get into the zone? No, that's not my normal process. That's actually mm. the first time I ever did that. I'm really always on a go or I'm in a studio writing and I mm. just hear the beat and I write. Like, so that's why I said this album feels so different for me because I was actually able to take my time with it. It wasn't really a rush. They didn't have a, a date that I had to have it back. But once the new year hit, I said I wanted to get it at least done by March. So I mm. pushed myself to get it done within that, that three months. But um, But still, I had like a whole you know, a few months before that new year to really just sit and think about what I wanted to talk about and address. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
Honestly, yeah. But usually I'm just in the studio out here beat. Like, you know, with, with Spash, you got to, you, if you're trying to work, you got to pull up in the studio and work. Ain't none of that sending beat stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> okay. I've never, like, even before him, that's how I used to work, too. I used to just record stuff and I put it out the next day, damn near, or just right there in the studios. So, um, uh, this might be a little bit of a different kind of question than we've been on so far, but I want to try something like if you wouldn't mind sharing with us or if you have a strong sense of it yourself, could you mind telling us like, what are your goals in hip hop? Like, do you want to win a Grammy? Do you want to sell a million records? Like, do you like want to be an underground legend? Like, do you think about that? Um, I mean, I would love to win a Grammy. That's I think that's a lot of people's goals, whether they admit it or not. Um, but I try not to put that. I try not to put that on my list because I feel like it's bigger than the accolades. Like most of yeah. the time with artists like myself, they don't give you your flowers really while you're here. So, um, you know, I, 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 try make, I try to make it bigger than just awards and, and, and money and streams and being the best because it's so, um, I don't know, that's a whole nother conversation. But I really, my goal is to inspire and reach kids who come out of environments and households like like I did coming up um, my escape for a lot of things that I've been through was music so that's all mm. I want to be is someone's escape and, and, and inspiration you know in a way I, I went to speak to this high school out in Buffalo last year um, and I was talking to the kids about um, just arts and music and you know how I um, got as far as I got just staying um, consistent and not giving up even through the hard times and I have like, I still talk to some of those students from that class, like, you know, as far as helping them. And so it's a young, it's a, it's one girl, she's actually getting ready to graduate in, a, I think this month. Um, she, she wants to be a producer. And, you know, I'm actually kind of, uh, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, in a way, mentoring her, you know, through that and teaching her and showing her how to work, you know, different programs and stuff. So that, that's, that type of stuff for me that's really my goal would i like to win a grammy yeah but i, I just don't want to think about it too much because <laughs> like when you make that a main goal and it doesn't happen you feel like you haven't did you know you feel like you failed and mm. and, and that's not really where i'm trying to be at with it because i feel like it's bigger than that for me cool thank you I i wouldn't have asked if i didn't think it was possible for you i just like when mm. in the in the interest of giving flowers like we wouldn't have had you on if we didn't think you were a, a top level MC. like I, I really like listening to you rap and um i just wanted to go back a little bit to uh one track in particular from juno which is royal city or queen city my bad um mm -hmm. that that beat is so beautiful um and you sound mm -hmm. so good on it and um royalty the song is is really good as well and i think those lush kind of luxurious beats really suit you but can you tell us a little bit about like when you first heard that or do you have a, do you feel a way about any of those tracks in particular? Yeah. I remember when I first, when Spesh first played the Queen City beat for me and I was like, did you send me the wrong beat? <laughs> I, was like, I mean, it's a dope beat, but I was like, this ain't what you usually send me. Like he was like, nah, trust me. You gotta listen. You gotta go in. They gonna, they gonna love that. You gotta. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. I'm gonna try it out. So I went and did the first verse and he just like went crazy. Like, I give him another verse. Like, you know, I kind of just was, I was having fun with that record. Like, I, that's actually one of my favorite joints. That's a lot of my friends' favorite joint, too, on that um, on that project. But the royalty joint, I recorded that way before I even started working on Juno. I think I recorded that when I was still working on Thriller Hunt, too, mm. earlier last year. And I remember when I recorded, like, everybody that was in the studio went crazy over the verse. 
And um, it, it was one of those verses that I wrote in the, while I was in the studio, but when I heard the beat, it just, I don't know, it touched into like a different, I don't know, I, I was going through some things at the time and just was in the mood to vent. Mm. And that beat just brought that venting side of out of me. So, um, and then, you know, Street Justice came and did his thing and Clash just came and closed it off perfect. So, yeah, that, that was... Um, that was definitely like that was that was dope, but I remember because I had reported that way before I even started working on Juno. I don't even. I think we were actually trying to put that on a different project, but it just ended up fitting with Juno better. So, mm. you know, um, I had a question, um, and stop me if it's a little bit too sensitive, but it's about Fred Godson, mm-hmm. and um, you know, um, I love Strings of Pain, I love Army of Trust, and you know, obviously you guys have really good chemistry and in his short time here, I mean, he was obviously showed himself to be an amazing writer. Can you just share a little bit about, you know, your relationship with him, both as an artist and a friend? Yeah, I met uh, Fred actually the first time at the Synergy Rap Show back in 2018. And he actually like came out, like when I was walking out, he was out there and he was like, yo, you know, he came to me again. He gave me my flowers, told me I was dope, told me keep going. Asked for a picture. He, you know, gave me a picture or whatever. Like, uh, we sat and talked for a minute, uh, a little bit, and then he just told me keep going. Like, he's like, you know, I'm sure I'll see you out here. And that's when um, him and Special really started working more. And mm. um, and then you know, he was at the the um, the both views video shoot that we had, the all white mm-hmm. video shoot. I don't know if you guys seen that. Um, you know, he just he he's always been like just a very humble, um, just nice nice guy. Mm-hmm. Nice guy, very humble though, very humble. Um, cool as hell, cool as hell. Um, I remember like you know just him being in the studio, him and you know I would always see him in passing with him and special working. So, um, he just was always cool, humble dude. Like mm-hmm. you know I I don't think I've ever ran into somebody as humble as him in this industry so far. Oh. So. That was just different with him, but you know, he was super dope and he always shouted me out on his Instagram. Um, yeah, he just he he was he was he was a dope person. He was an amazing rapper too. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's definitely gonna be my sky rest his soul. Thank you for sharing that with us. Really appreciate it. Um obviously touring is not a thing right now and we don't know when it's going to become a thing again how how do you feel about touring in general was that something you've done much of or you enjoyed are you itching to get back out there to kind of like promote the the Apollo Brown record or like how do you how you feeling about all that that's changing so quickly I didn't really get I didn't really get started with I had a tour planned of course but that's gonna be on hold I don't even feel comfortable going anywhere right now (laughs) you know but um yeah that's that's it's probably gonna be a good year or two before we're able to really get comfortable back on the road but um yeah I hadn't really started getting into it like I had three shows in March and you know they all got canceled of course um you know I don't want to speak too much about about future but uh, future plans but you know it, it was some stuff in the works I know it's going to get end up getting pushed back or canceled so yeah, I actually hadn't even started really getting into like the swing of touring. I took my, I did like a, I did a short tour with Special last year. Um, I went to LA, went to Vegas, LA. Um, where else? I went Boston. We sold out a show in New York City, um, Ohio. But you know, again, like I hadn't really started getting into the swing of touring, so 
I'll have to wait for that, unfortunately. Shay, <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw I saw on Twitter last week, uh, your Twitter, that you were at um, ML, MLK Park for, um, you know, mm -hmm. the protests. And I just wanted to sort of just get a peek inside your head and just the emotions you've had of, you know, all the stuff that's been going on last week and sort of um, how, how you were active in everything as well. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, do as much as I can do my part. Um, I had a friend of mine who was throwing a, a it was called a peaceful vigil for, um, I mean, really for George Floyd or anyone who's lost their life um, in the hands of police. We actually have two cases in Buffalo. Um, one of them, which is um, like a family member, kind of like, it, yeah, like a family member, I would say like a, fam a family friend, a friend of the family, I should say, um, where he died in police custody back in 2018. And, um, you know, the, the whole police brutality thing has always been a thing in, with Buffalo Police Department. But I said, you know, on the, um, when I was talking to Spectrum News that it, it's sad that it took um, that video of that police officer pushing that man down and that, that video going viral and getting some national attention, it's sad that it took that for them to address these issues within that department mm -hmm. because this is nothing new, you know what I'm saying? Right. This has always right. been a thing with police, with, with Buffalo's, I can only speak for Buffalo because I've never had issues with any, you know, anyone outside of that, but I'm going to speak for the one in my city, in my community, and Buffalo Police Department has always had issues with um, social injustice, um, police brutality. That's always been an issue there. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, there's two, I'm sure it's more than that, but there's two main cases more recently of um, black kids dying in police custody. So, and that they won't open these cases, they won't do any investigating, any of it. But they're trying to address it now because, you know, Buffalo's actually getting some attention. I just seen Trump tweeting about it and whatever he had to say about it, I, you know, really don't care. But I see him tweeting about it and I was like, it's crazy how it took all of this for, for them to address these things. And, 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 and Buffalo's always been dealing with this. So, right. Oh my gosh, I don't know why she keeps calling me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, give us the give us the details on the your new record. When when can our listeners expect to hear something? Just like um, if you have a release date, uh, maybe the actual title. Since I clearly didn't look it up, and I've just been calling it the Apollo Brown record this whole time. Let's uh, let's wrap on a good note. But I appreciate you sharing all that stuff because it's really heavy and really necessary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this record is called, and it's such a it's such a perfect time for this record to come out honestly everything i'm speaking about i was like wow I'm, i was speaking i was kind of like a little ahead of my time like a lot of things that i speak about on this album like the subject matter but it's called as god intended is dropping july 10th um it's really just um it's digging it's kind it is digging into that whole essence of hip-hop um soulful samples um uh, dj scratches type type stuff um just the content um is very it's very relatable content um yeah it's very it's very emotional based um you know some storytelling on there uh it's it's, it's addressing um the climate of i can't even say our country because this is this is a worldwide thing right now right. um this right. movement we're on so it's definitely um a perfect time for the climate that we're in as just as a country and, and worldwide. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you love that, that, that rich essence, soulful, 
grittiness, still a lot of grittiness in there. Um, spirituality, um, I'm dressing a lot of spirituality things in there, relationships. Um, I just dropped a single where I talked about um, my favorite songs that dropped in 94, even though I was born in 94, but <laughs> I was actually born, I was born the same day Illmatic came out. Whoa. And, um, yeah, so I, I was like, wow, this is just like, this was made, this was made for me. <laughs> but I just made a whole song, I just dropped a whole single where I just talked about all the music I grew up listening to. Um, what, you know, what it's like growing up listening to hip hop. I talked about a lot of music, great music that dropped in 94 because Biggie dropped 94. Um, who else dropped 94? Nas. Just, I just addressed a lot of that. So whenever you guys get a chance, go check that out. So. Absolutely. Will no. do. Can't, cannot wait for the full thing. And I, I honestly, I don't, I'm calling it now. I think this is going to be huge for you in a, a big level of, yes. Um, and I just couldn't couldn't yes. happen to a nicer person, and we'll see what happens. But uh, we'll try to do our part to spread the word, and we really appreciate you coming and talking to us. You were um, just, I just, it's just nice when someone answers the questions. Sometimes that's not always <laughs> yeah. the case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like to talk. I like to talk. <laughs> right on. All right, we'll let you go, but really appreciate it. Thank you. Hit us up at Dad Bod Rap Pod. Uh, if you took exception to any of those takes, uh, we expect to be taken down by several uh, backpack websites for assailing sales smooth. Um, <laughs> again, them, not me. Uh, we are also on IG at Dad Bod Rap Pod. You can check us out on Kiki. Did we? Are, did Kiki get rebooted? New Kiki's Kiki? gotten rebooted. I actually had a weekend this weekend so i haven't been sending all the old episodes yet but we'll be caught up with kiki soon okay so kiki.co.uk uh we're among the uh, initial podcasts they had when they were in beta mode but they have rebooted um so you should definitely check them out um we are also part of the pantheon podcast network uh 50 plus shows all dedicated to music we're one of a handful of hip-hop programs um on the network so we definitely encourage you to check that out. We do episodes every freaking week. Like, so if you see me in the streets and you'd be like, are you still doing that podcast? I should be able to slap you, but, <laughs> but I won't cause you'll be six feet away from me. I think I've um, told you guys this before. Like if you're, if your friends will let you just take their phone and subscribe. Just take it from them. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> like a pre COVID move, but a couple right. friends would let me do that. I'm like, dude, just like, you, you don't care. Like we have like yeah. enough room on your phone, right? You can delete yeah. the episodes whenever, like here, <laughs> yeah. you're subscribed, Subscribe. listen to it if you want. And also, I always tell people, if you're not an underground hip hop nerd, you're not going to like it and you don't have to like it. It's not for you, but totally. like, you know, give, a lot of people just enjoy the first 15 minutes of the show where we're just bullshitting, which I find amazing and weird. Uh, I'm, I'm always pleasantly surprised by the number of people who I know don't know 80% of what we're talking about um, who, who will fuck with the program. So um, shout out to y'all. Uh, we definitely appreciate all of the love and support that we've gotten, all the response we got to last week's program. Um, 
and yeah, you know, we're going to keep podcasting for as long as Zoom is free. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I was, who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody and she was like, oh, you know, I got the No Limit Soldier Zoom account. As in no, no, no oh, one hour limit. <laughs> that's so I funny. Like, I was like, mm, that's the content that I'm here for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we definitely appreciate everybody continuing to fuck with the program. We will be back next week with more heat. We are the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Mm-hmm.